1: every team, every topic, everywhere this is
0: believe. prediction. Iowa Penn State at
1: Kinnick. <laughs> it's scary. Ah, oh, man. You know I don't like to make predictions, and I say it every week. I know, uh, but I'm going to
0: make you do it anyway. Penn,
1: St- Penn State should win this game. They should. Oh,
0: Pater, Pater. Pater!
1: Hi everyone and welcome to another
0: edition of the Paydirt podcast. I'm Tom Hannafin. He is Matt McGloin. Penn State is now 5 and 0 after a 24 to nothing victory at home against Indiana. Penn State came into the game ranked number four at the time we're recording this. We don't know if they'll move up in the rankings because of Oregon's loss and so many losses in the top ten this past Saturday in college football. So we're going to dive into everything revolving around this revenge game. As I have put it, so many people have put it. Penn State able to put Indiana and the ghosts of last season behind them. And at the same time, we're going to look ahead to this monster matchup of top five teams. that's going down this coming Saturday at... Iowa that's going to be very very exciting so we're going to dive into that in a moment but we are back and better than ever all eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season as always bet online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season with a new updated site and interface even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code Believe. that's B-L-E-A-V. To receive your bonus from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. The Paydirt Podcast is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. Before we dive into the show itself, Matt, I personally want to say thank you to our audience because uh, you and I are texting about it a little bit. You know, We, we pay attention, obviously, to listens and downloads and views and such, and uh, it was really cool to see Penn State fans still watching the YouTube exclusive for Indiana, Penn State, and then especially Episode 8 leading up to this week's game. While the game was happening, like I was blown away to see that occurring. And I bothered to look it up because we talked about it before, but we actually have this international audience, which is something that I never anticipated. But obviously, (laughs) the the, uh, lion's share, no pun intended, is in the United States. But we're so happy to have listeners in Korea, Australia, China, Canada, Malaysia, Singapore, Italy, France, Jamaica, Japan, Germany, Qatar, the United Kingdom. And the U.S. Virgin Islands—that's all just in the last 30 days. So, uh, Penn State football is worldwide. It really like that. That's the thing that I come back to is that there are Penn State fans in every nook yep. and cranny of the globe. So, we're very grateful that you guys are listening to the show and, and have responded to it so well. So, first off, thank you for that. And now we can really process this Indiana Penn State game. This was something that I was very adamant about, was hoping Penn State would, quote, mop the floor with Indiana, but thought it would be a tight game on the scoreboard. It was not really a a waxing, so to speak, but 24 to nothing. It's pretty
1: darn good. Uh, What was your just kind of general takeaway from this win? It was still a tight game. Like it really was, even leading up, and it was twenty-one nothing. When when Indiana was getting ready to kick that field goal, and field goal was obviously blocked. But up to that point, it was real. It was really a good football game. You know, I thought Indiana should have taken points when they had a the chance to early in that game when it was seven nothing. They decided to go for on fourth down, but it was a good, solid football game. All the credit in the world to Indiana's defense. I thought they showed up. I thought they played really well. I thought they created some trouble at times. For this Penn State offense, look, Indiana is a good, solid football team. There's clearly some concerns there offensively, and obviously, you know, we'll get into the game a little bit as we get going here. But they're going to win some games this year. It's just it's a tough schedule early on for them, having to play Iowa, having to play Cincinnati, and then having to play in Beaver Stadium, you know, against a hot Penn State team. But a good, good, solid game. We knew it was going to be close. I think it was closer than the score was, but um, a good game and a good test for Penn State. It was funny because
0: something you and I had talked about in the last couple of episodes was Penn State fans wanting to see the Nittany Lions, quote, win games going away. And that, you know, oh, let's not let this go down to the final drive, a la Wisconsin and Auburn. This game was wrapped up by about 11 minutes to play in the fourth quarter, maybe even before that. So that was really encouraging to see Penn State finish take care of business you keep hearing the same phrase of bend but not break with this defense and there are times where they will break you so there's yeah. a lot of really positive things to take away from this uh let's start as we always do in the offensive side of the ball and with the quarterback number 14 sean Clifford, Uh walks away on the day with 17 of 33 178 yards through the air three touchdowns an interception that Again, was not a backbreaker, fortunately. Clifford then tied for the second most carries on the day, 10 for 58 yards with the long of 18. In fact, he had the second most rushing yards for Penn State. So my takeaway, seeing that stat line, Matt, it was reminiscent of a lot of stat lines that Trace McSorley put up. I'm not putting him in the same breath as Trace. Trace obviously is very special, and every quarterback has their different skill sets. But this felt like, Those games where Trace would just kind of do a little bit of everything, score multiple touchdowns. The stats aren't always the prettiest thing in the world, but he got the job done. What did you think?
1: Well, it's because he did a great job of extending plays Saturday night. I mean, he was great inside the pocket, and he was great outside the pocket. Um, And what was impressive was how good he was in the red zone. And a lot of times in the red zone, like your creativity needs to take over you have to extend plays and you know sometimes it's like backyard football down there right right away you don't have anything you know defense is covering up your wide receivers your tight ends pretty good go play right find a way just let instinct take over and i think he did that it's the ability to keep his eyes downfield as well when he's moving in the pocket and when he gets outside the pocket right he's not just I'm breaking the pocket. I'm running now. He's not doing that. He's still looking to make plays. He's still waiting and waiting for his wide receivers to get open when he gets outside. When he's on, man, he, he's about as accurate as anybody in the country. He, that that fourth down throw to Parker Washington. Again, you know me. When it's like fourth and three, fourth and four, whatever it was, I'm like, what are we doing?
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I felt the same way on both the
1: fourth down conversions, as it turned out. Yeah, yeah. Um, you still feel that way, but and I talk, and I, I'm, that's where I'm going with the accuracy. That throw to Parker Washington for the first down on the awesome. sideline, I mean, perfect. Like high and outside, only place where Washington was to be able to get it because it was tight coverage. It was good coverage, but there's no defense for the perfect throw. I mean, the one mistake on the day was the interception late on the deep crossing route, right? Hitch, hitch, hitch. He's late. I'm not sure if he thought it was man, if he was confused by the coverage or whatever it was, but that was it. He just stared the route down a little bit and it was a bit of a, a, bit of a mistake, but for the most part, the accuracy was great. He did what he had to do. Their secondary, like that was the game plan. Keep everything in front of you. We're not going to get beat by the explosive plays. Sean Clifford, we're going to force you to be patient. Right, Take what you're giving you. We'll rally. We'll try to make tackles. But it was a good day. It it, it really was. Yeah. You talked about how the Indiana defense was playing uh,
0: Clifford and then the Penn State offense. In the first half, uh, you kind of touched on it a little bit. They really never got deeper than roughly 10 yards down the line of scrimmage. Like They had the safeties back, but obviously they were just like, hey, if you want to dink and dunk underneath, go for it. We're going to put so many bodies out there with nickel and dime coverages and a lot of defensive backs, mm-hmm. a lot of free-snap, changes that you could see speaking with Thomas Frank Carr in the Blue White Illustrated post game show on YouTube he was talking about the use of robber coverage quite frequently by the Indiana Hoosiers defense Uh, credit to Tom Allen it did seem like they had Sean a little bit out of rhythm early in the game and my question to you is these receivers for Penn State seem extraordinarily good against zone coverage do you think it's because Clifford struggles against man or that's just kind of the preference of the offensive scheme
1: yeah. I mean, look, man, you know, everybody's different in their ways. Everybody's more explosive versus certain coverages versus man versus zone. You're going to get a lot of zone this week against Iowa. So they should, they, they should have a good week then technically. But it's just about creating separation in man coverage, right? Are you physical enough? Can you get off the line? Can you, can you make one move at the wide receiver spot and then go? You know, I think a lot of times, too, playing the quarterback spot, you have to be able to throw with anticipation versus man coverage. You have to be able to understand where cornerbacks are where safeties are in relation to the wide receiver. You know where he's going, right? So if a D back is high, you got to throw it low. If the D backs off and inside, you know, it's just, it's stuff like that. So, you know, maybe they need some more work versus man coverage, you know, and if, if teams start to figure that out and realize that they should play more man coverage against Penn state, but Indiana's defense, like you can tell early on time that yards were going to be tough to come by. Mm-hmm. Right. And it had to be because Indiana, they, they knew they couldn't go score for score with Penn State. They had no help from their offense, which, again, credit to Penn State's defense. They, they smothered Indiana's offense all night. I mean, let, let's give credit to Mike McFadden. He's about as good as he gets in the Big Ten, you know, for a defensive player. I think not having Taiwan yes. Mullen definitely hurt Indiana, you know. And when I look at this offense, Penn State running the football the way they did was huge because, one, it sends a message to Iowa saying, if you want to play coverage, you want to play depth, whatever, you want to play man coverage, we can run it at you now. And, two, this is a huge confidence booster to Penn State's offensive line, right, being able to run the way they did when they've been criticized for weeks now. So to start to figure out the, the run game right now, Heading into this Iowa week, very very big for Penn State and against and what was what is a very good defense. I'm glad you touched on the running game because
0: it was something at halftime. My thought, just as a viewer, mm-hmm. was okay. Indiana is giving you whatever you want passing wise underneath, and they're going to try and play as stout against the run game as possible. And granted, they got gashed a bunch of times. Kevon Lee uh, had a very nice game, albeit. Could have had a touchdown, and there are some instances where it's like, okay, Kevon is still piecing things together. But the commitment to the running game in the second half made a lot of sense to me because Penn State went tempo, and that seemed to mess with Indiana's ability to substitute, make changes in the secondary, make changes in the defensive coverages. So that gave Sean some more opportunities. You saw more motion to identify the defense, but it was the commitment to the run, not just – Let's run on first down and see how it goes. No, no, no. We're going to be committed. We're going to go for it on second down, and we're going to run the ball. I think the takeaway for me, it's 42 carries overall for 209 yards for the Penn State rushing attack. Um, More carries than pass attempts, which is great. However, 10 for 58 coming from the quarterback, so not your traditional runner. And granted, they put Sean in a couple instances where it was a design quarterback run. But that's still, that number is still hovering around 150 yards rushing on about 30 something carries, so it's good. It's encouraging. Um,
1: who's the best running back for the job? <laughs> yeah, going back to the Clifford runs, like, don't, don't, like just, there's a few quarterback draws in there. Great, I get it. Whatever, right. it's game plan stuff. Certain down, certain situation. That's fine, but it wasn't forced, right? Which is why it was 10 for 58 and not 10 for 18. Right. Tom, like it's, mm-hmm. he did a good job using his legs. He ran for a few first downs. Fantastic offensive line block. Well, there had to have been a message sent this week by Mike Yurchich and James Franklin, you know, to run the ball and uh, whatever they've seen on tape and preparation, knowing that they can break off a few runs and tight ends block well. You know, I know we gave them some criticism last week about the ability to block, but Kevon Lee ran his tail off. I thought, and when guys are competing for reps, you are forced to give your best performance every single chance that you get out there, every time you have the ball in your hands. Noah Kane may be dancing too much at times, Tom. I don't know if you noticed that at all. No, it, it's funny you say that because that was that was
0: almost Keevon's M.O. coming yes. into this. Not that he was dancing, but he was like, let me double back seven yards so I can try and get the big play. Not doing and that Kev- anymore. Keevon can't outrun a lot of guys and nothing against him, but he is a bigger mm-hmm type of thumper back so he seemed to understand that but even then there were still some points of leverage like I mentioned the almost touchdown where it was like oh come on man like there's still little things and then to your point about Noah Kane there's little things about his game that okay well he's dancing too much he's smaller than Kevon Lee so he's not going to get away with certain things he had 11 carries the most of any running back for Penn State for 23 yards so just not really his day uh, my takeaway, John Lovett appears to be yes. the most well-rounded running back. What's your I w- opinion?
1: I was getting there. Yeah, stay with me here. I think Kevon Lee right now is probably the best back they have because he's starting to figure out who he is as a running back. Right? Let me get downhill. Let me run some guys over. Uh, there was a play on the sideline. He caught a swing route. I think I'm trying to remember it correctly, and I thought he was going to try to hurdle somebody, but he just lowered his shoulder for an extra two yards. And I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm like, yes. Lendale White, thank you, Bush. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. Uh, But Kevon Lee is probably the best running back they have right now, but I think John Lovett can be that guy. As the season goes on, I think there's something special about John Lovett. He's done some nice things over the past few weeks, and I think he could be one of the better backs that they have and probably the best back they have because of what he could potentially do in the pass game. He's made some nice plays in the pass game over the past few weeks. I'd like to see them use him more there, right? Maybe spread him out a little bit. It's just, it adds another weapon. He's athletic enough talented enough, right? I, I think he's really explosive. So that'll be interesting to see moving forward. But it's the combination of guys that they have that's dangerous. And, and each one of them brings something different to the table. And that's tough to prepare for. The
0: concern that I, I got from a lot of Penn State fans is still the inability to get the short yardage when needed. And I'm going to come back to the Kivon Lee almost touchdown. Again, not trying to rain on Kevon Lee's parade, but That was a power jumbo set. You have your biggest running back in there. You have, I believe, all three tight ends. As lead blockers, basically, you went as big as you possibly could, and you couldn't get that yard against Indiana. Not even the best defense you will face this year. Granted, maybe one of the smartest defenses you'll face this year, most disciplined, but athletically, you should be beating Indiana at the point of attack. So the concern is from my standpoint, it's personnel because it, this just might be what this team is is that they're just not able to get the short yardage in that. Who are you going to rotate in? It, it's tight ends who aren't great blockers. They're predominantly receivers. And then interior offensive line has continued to be a question mark. Eric Wilson solidified himself at left guard. But it's like, okay, who else do you call to go in? Another guy who's also not great at interior offensive line and run blocking? Like, it's this might just be kind of what Penn State is.
1: What, what did you see? Oh, you're right. I mean, you said it perfectly. And that's for you to be an Alabama or for you to be a Georgia, an elite team who is in the conversation for the college football playoff, short yardage, goal line, whatever it may be, and you know you need to run the football, you, you should be able to get a yard or two yards whenever you want. -hmm. Right. We know we're running it. You know we're running it. Everybody watching knows we're running it. Everybody in the stadium knows we're running it. And we don't care because we're going to get the yardage that we need for a touchdown or for a first down. And it's, it's a want to, Tom. Right. We want to run the football. We're going to establish the run. Right. That's, I mean, you have to want to do it. And I don't know if it's just they're incapable of doing it. Right. Well,
0: I was encouraged in the second half, Penn State had 19 rushes to 11 passes. So there was that commitment to run the ball that we've not seen thus far this year. Are you going to be able to get away with that with a lot of other teams? It's going to depend on what the score is and a lot of different factors. But it was encouraging because that commitment changed how Indiana was approaching the game because clearly Tom Allen and company said, listen, try and beat us with the run. We are going to make Sean Clifford be the reason Penn State wins the game. And essentially, you kind of could tell by the way they were playing in the first half, if the run were to pick up, this is a done
1: deal. And that was exactly what Mike Yersich did. Here's what's going to be tough about this game. Iowa plays a ton of split safety zone look. They've been doing it for years. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I know we'll get into the Iowa breakdown in a little bit. But if you're running RPO or let's say Sean Clifford has a pass run or a run pass, whatever it may be, and coverage dictates what the play is going to be. A lot of times it's going to tell you to run the football because you want to run it versus split safety. You want to run it versus a a five-man, six-man box, whatever it may be, because you have enough blockers to block everybody there. But if you can't do that and you're forced to throw the football against soft coverage and zone, then patience comes into play. You have to take what they're giving you, right? If you can't run the football... I know I'm going off here on you know, something completely different, but if you can't run the football against soft zone coverage and things like that, then you're going you're gonna to be in trouble against Iowa. We'll, uh,
0: we'll see you know what, what happens mean, yeah. uh, at Kinnick, and, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. One last thing on the offense for, for Penn State. Jahan Dotson continues to be fantastic. He had eight catches for 84 yards and two touchdowns and some kick returns that nearly got broken for uh, a touchdown. Is it possible for Jahan Dotson to not win the Bolitnikoff but win the Heisman this year. I was thinking about that as the game was going on because Drake London at USC is putting up gaudy numbers, and that's not Jahan. Jahan got targeted nine times alone in the first half, but he is so impactful and scary with the ball in his hand.
1: He has to do something on special teams to be in the Heisman race, right? It's just sometimes it's not enough to just be a fantastic wideout and put up big numbers and big touchdown numbers, I think he has to do something on special teams. Like even Devontae Smith, I think he may have returned a touchdown or two, like a mm. punt or a kick. So I, I think if he does something special on special teams and a few times this year he's been close, I think then you start, you start putting his name in that conversation. But like when you just watch him, it's kind of like, wow, man, that's impressive. Like the touchdown, the back shoulder, he kind of ran that in route and then got mm. vertical in the red zone the top shelf ball, right? You know, as a quarterback, back of the end zone, you know, put it where the rich guys drink, top shelf. And uh, <laughs> it, it was a great throw. And like just his hands, like it's like he has like stick them on those gloves. The, mm-hmm. the ball just sticks to his hand, man. It shows you how strong his hands are, how big his catch radius is down there, the body control to be able to do that and to get his feet in. It's just impressive, Tom. Yeah, of 18 completions overall, which one of them Jahan was responsible
0: for, by the way, he threw a pass again. Um, (laughs) Eight of them went to Dotson. So you would like to see maybe a little bit more diversity. It wasn't for lack of trying to get guys like Parker Washington and the tight ends involved. But the more diversity you can see in that passing attack, the scarier Penn State is.
1: This was a slow-paced game, too. Did you you get that impression? Yeah. Yeah, I I just A few times I'm watching it and I'm like, nothing's happening here. (laughs)
0: It's like watching a Phillies game. Uh, (laughs) No, but um, the the encouraging thing was everything felt pretty under control. The first, as I mentioned, the first quarter, Sean felt a little out of rhythm. Um, They were clearly trying to figure out the Indiana defense. Then by the second half, Penn state was in control. And as I said earlier, Penn state won this thing going away. So there's a lot of positives to take away from this and build for the future. But the, the remainder of the big 10 schedule is daunting. At Iowa, at Ohio State, home versus Michigan. Michigan is rounding into form and made Wisconsin look pathetic on Saturday. And not to mention at Michigan State to end the game, plus Rutgers, plus Illinois in there, not forgetting about those. So there's a lot of challenges still to come. I do want to talk about Penn State's defensive effort, but before we get to that, just want to let you know that all of us involved in the Pater podcast are proud supporters of THON, also known as the Penn State Dance Marathon. THON is a year-long effort dedicated to raising funds and awareness for its sole beneficiary, Four Diamonds, at Penn State Health Children's Hospital. THON is the largest student-run philanthropy in the world, committed to enhancing the lives of children and families impacted by childhood cancer. Four Diamonds picks up where insurance leaves off to relieve financial stress and provide emotional support so that no family ever has to see a medical bill. Since 1973, THON has raised over one hundred and ninety million dollars in the fight against childhood cancer. And we invite you to join this fantastic community of Penn State students, alumni and friends at the annual THON 5K powered by PNC. The event takes place this Sunday, October 10th. This year's theme for the event will be Illuminate the Journey, with both in-person and virtual races taking place. Last year, during the virtual THON 5K, powered by PNC, THON volunteers and supporters from across the country collectively ran over 57,000 miles in the fight against childhood cancer. To learn more about THON, the 5K event, or to donate, visit THON.org. That's T-H-O-N dot It's all for the kids. Make a difference in the life of a child today. That's this Sunday. THON.org. Everybody, <laughs> either get there to State College or do it virtually. It's going to be so much fun. Um, okay, so let's talk about the defense of Penn State. My takeaway,
1: they were lights nope. out. What would you think? Yeah, I think the TV camera was shaking at one point. So it had to have been loud there. (laughs) Yeah. Which was awesome. Um, There wasn't much open for Michael Penix Jr. The man coverage was fantastic. Nowhere to go with the football. And as a quarterback, Tom, that's very hard because usually you can find some space to throw the football, right? Throw with anticipation. 50 50 balls there there was nothing like that the man coverage was so tight very aggressive but they need to be careful right don't be too aggressive they got beat with a double move by indiana you know i think i was going to look to take some chances like that especially because they'll lull you to sleep with the run game right run 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 boom play action pass big throw play action pass deep comeback stuff like that so be careful being too aggressive you know i love watching pj mustafer play week in a week out now he reminds me a lot of jordan hill just a big run stopper shows up every play a lot of times some of the stuff he does doesn't show up in the stat book but taking on two blockers clogs up that middle he's getting better every single week you know we talk about joey porter jr every week on this podcast i feel like he's been playing at penn state for like five years now <laughs> and he's still so young exactly it's, it's- this and amazing it, situation when they when they announced that it was his first interception, I couldn't believe that. I was like, "Really?" No. Yeah. But what went unnoticed was the pressure from Luquette on that play, right? Forcing that throw, the ability to get his feet in on the interception, just a great job of knowing where you're at on the field. One of the things I noticed, Tom, you know, you can't run horizontal versus this this Penn State defense, this front four, this front seven, right? You have to get downhill. They're too good at holding the edge now. You know, played well. Again, he's so difficult to block in one-on-one situations and obvious passing downs. How about him welcoming Tuttle into the game there? And the blocked field goal, a second blocked field goal this season. Yeah, a lot of guys are playing well so well for them from, you know, the front four linebackers, the secondary. I have to mention Daquan Hardy because I think he's doing a really good job of developing as a player and stepping up when he's asked to be in the game. He broke up that inside fade route down there in the red zone. And it's huge when you can add another piece to your defense like that. You know, they made Michael Penix Jr. look really uncomfortable. And, you know, for me it got to the point because I, I'm I'm high on that kid. I think he's a good player. I think he's a good, talented player. Clearly, he's struggling right now. I felt bad for him throughout yeah. the course of the game, and not not because of the game itself. Right, Football's tough. It, it is what it is. It's a competitive game, but it, you can tell he's not himself. Not sure if the knee is still bothering him, but there's just there's no confidence there. He's not the kid we saw in 2020. It was tough to see him get hurt again. You know, you, you never want to see that happen to 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 any player. But a guy, especially a guy that's that's been through so much in his career, but it's uh, yeah, this defense man is very, very special. Um, this this is going to be a fantastic matchup Saturday afternoon. Yeah, uh, one note about
0: Michael Penix, and I too felt that you know that you felt bad for the guy. Uh, yeah, and, and at the end of the day, you got to remember this is a kid, and between the ages of eighteen and twenty two, the guys had three major surgeries could be you know who knows what the extent of his uh injury is to his throwing shoulder there was a report of it potentially being a separated shoulder while the game was going on that is a brutal injury to come back from it just just uh, take your fanhood out of the equation Mm -hmm. that is terrible to see for someone of that age deal with that many struggles that being said it is eye-popping how good of an athlete he is and then his mechanics as a quarterback aren't even that well polished. I talked about Mm -hmm. it in Blue White Illustrated that he doesn't really bring his legs with him. He's Mm. kind of a statue, and I don't mean that he can't run. I mean, when he sets to throw, his bottom half isn't moving, which is the complete opposite of what you want. He still has the arm talent and ability to read the defense and get big plays. So it's, it's really fascinating what he is. So,
1: and I, that I I came in as a fan, like, oh, revenge and Penix And and now I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. They they brought <laughs> Tariq Castro Fields from the boundary on a cornerback blitz. And I'm thinking to myself, yes. like, I'm like, be careful, guys. Penix Jr. is a fantastic player. He's a smart player. He knows where to go with the football versus your pressure. So, just be careful. But they got to be careful again this week. You know, Spencer Petras is a good quarterback. I know he's received a ton of criticism, but he's playing really well for Iowa um, this week. So, just... Don't get too exotic is what I'm getting at. Yeah, and, and
0: there doesn't seem to be a need to. This
1: Penn State defense, no. as you
0: mentioned, they don't seem to be doing anything really mind-bending in terms of yeah. scheme. They're just disciplined. They are rarely out of position, and they are nasty. Yeah. It, if I'm a ball carrier in open space and I run into Brisker, Jacobs, <laughs> Brooks, or Brandon Smith, I might just quit football because that seems terrible. Like, they are out to ruin your life. So, uh, And those four had a fantastic game. Still keeping an eye on Brisker. He's favoring the left shoulder a little bit through the game, so hoping he stays healthy for not only Penn State season but for his professional career, which is absolutely upcoming. So Penn State able to put Iowa um, able to put Indiana behind them. Excuse me, winning twenty four to nothing. So the time we're recording this, it's Sunday morning. We haven't seen the updated rankings yet, but because of Oregon losing, inevitably it seems like Iowa and Penn State will both move up a notch. It just depends on if somebody jumps somebody else, but we'll see. Before Tom, uh, before before we move on to Iowa here, how about the field goal? Oh yeah, you know what? I almost forgot about that because again, you you wanted the Kevon Lee touchdown. Obviously, you get the field goal from Jordan Stout, and it was like, okay, right, good. But you still saw a good 40 yard chunk of the field where James Franklin's like, yeah, this is four down territory. I'm going for it. Like, does that inspire some faith maybe in Stout
1: long term? Oh, it's a huge confidence booster, right? You have to be able to kick field goals. (laughs) You do. And and I understand going for it in certain situations. I do. Like, I, I was an aggressive player as a quarterback I always wanted to go for it here but now like it's like all right understand the situation understand who you're playing points saturday afternoon are going to be massive especially against the two of the better defenses in the country three points is a win saturday afternoon and to be able to say all right stout hey let's go in there we trust you to kick the field goal here that's big it's big for him it's big for this offense it's big for Sean Clifford because when you're going for it constantly on fourth down, you think to yourself, like, oh, a lot of pressure here to get it. Otherwise, we we'll turn the football over and we come away with nothing. So mm-hmm. it was good to see that happen the week before this Iowa game. A little bit of stress relief.
0: A 50-yard yeah. field goal makes you feel like you don't have to get it to the 25 without attempting
1: to go for it yes. on, <laughs> on yes. fourth down. Yeah. So It changes it, right, too. And, and last thing, it, yeah. like the, it changes. If you're Mike Yurchich, too, it changes the way you make call plays. Right. Because if it's third and whatever, third and short, or, you know, let's say it's third and 12. Obviously, you want the first down, but hey, if it's not there, let's be safe here. Right. Get us another five. Right. And that'll get us closer. We know we got three points in the bank. So let's just get him a little bit closer to make this a little bit easier of a field goal. Right. It changes your whole entire game plan, whole entire philosophy. If you know you can have a guy that can kick it from anywhere.
0: So as of right now, this Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern on Fox, Penn State goes to Iowa. Uh, I've said I don't know why this is a 4 p.m. kick. This is a huge game, especially with top five implications. So I'd be curious. Again, we're recording this Sunday. Maybe it changes. I don't know, but probably not. So 4 p.m. Saturday on Fox, Penn State at Iowa. I've seen a lot of Penn State fans reacting to what Iowa did this past Friday night against Maryland and that was just shellacking the Terrapins. Now, let's back up. The score was scary to look at on paper. However, Maryland quite literally had their worst day, maybe ever, offensively. I don't know historically what the statistics were, but Talia Tagovailoa had five interceptions. His backup had an interception. Maryland had seven turnovers overall, and naturally, Iowa just killed him. But that is the one thing that I'm very curious about is that the knock on Iowa before that game, Matt, had been that they their defense was dependent on the turnover. And as a result, so is the offense. Um, what do you see when you look
1: at the tape of the Hawkeyes? Defensively, I mean, that that is they, they need turnovers to create points. They have 12 interceptions on the year, Tom, right? That leads the country. And mm-hmm. I was, I was so disappointed in that Maryland Iowa game. I thought Maryland was going to win. I really did. I, I, re- I really did. And, you know, it was just, yeah, turnover, turnover, tipped by a linebacker, intercepted. And, you know, what scares me about this Iowa defense is everything. <laughs> you know, the secondary is never out of place, there's no room for error. They make plays when they're there. They do a good job of undercutting crossing routes, which is how they got an interception versus one of the interceptions versus Talia. Penn State wide receivers need to stay quarterback friendly this week time. And what I mean by quarterback friendly is shallow routes, crossing routes, in routes, things like that. When you make your break, you can't lose depth. You almost want to lose depth. So there is no room for these secondary guys to undercut routes and pick off throws. Riley Moss has played great football for them throughout the first five games. He's got three picks. Matt Hankins has been great in the secondary. He's been really consistent. He had two picks in that Iowa State game before them. The linebacking core is solid, right? Jacob, Seth Benson. Always, is. Uh, Always is. Yeah, uh, they're led by Jack Campbell, who, I mean, he's off to a great year. And I think you can put him in that Fadu Kasi, John Ross, Jake Hansen, Jack Sanborn linebacker category. Is one of the better ones in the Big Ten this year. You mentioned Ben, but don't break about Penn State. That's what this Iowa defense is as well. It's simple but it's extremely difficult to get yardage because everyone understands their assignments. Very rarely are they caught out of position. Defensive coordinator Phil Parker, he's been the defensive coordinator since 2012 and when I played out there in 2012. (laughs) He's been a part of the staff since 99 when Kirk Ferentz took over, so they've got this defensive culture set there that these players understand and are able to execute as good as anybody in the nation. You know what it means to go and play
0: at Kinnick. How daunting of an atmosphere is that? Well, it's awesome.
1: You know, the pink locker room. Everything's pink in the (laughs) locker room. Oh, yes, that'll calm you. Yeah, which is funny. You You won't be
0: prepared for the game because of the pink
1: walls. Which is funny. It's funny when you see it. I mean, it's cool. It's cool to play in that type of environment. I mean, yeah, look, going to Kinnick, there's three things for me that is going to determine this game. The first one is obvious, and it's Kinnick Stadium and that crowd. You have to t- be able to take the crowd out of the game early. I, it's going to be louder than Camp Randall. It's a much more hostile environment. I've been called some names there, Tom, by Iowa fans, which I'm not going to repeat because my mom listens to the show. So, you know, <laughs> you, <laughs> you have to take this crowd out. You have to force this crowd to be miserable early on. Two is time of possession. I was one of the best teams in the Big Ten at controlling the football and controlling the clock. Penn State is not. If you let Iowa run the ball, they will wear you down. They will put pressure on your defense. They will be tough to stop. They're not made to play from behind. And and my last point here, Tom, is is third downs. Iowa's one of the worst in the Big Ten on third downs. You need to keep this offense off schedule. Force Spencer Petras to make throws for them in third-long situations. Force him to pick up your pressures and your blitzes. Make him take big hits and stand in there and deliver the football. You talked about getting to Petrus. He's been sacked 11 times thus
0: far this season. However, he's putting up some pretty good numbers 62% 62% in terms of completion percentage along with 67, seven touchdowns, just one interception. That's outstanding. That's if you're Kirk Ferentz, you're ecstatic. But um, this is not your grandfather's Iowa quarterback who is a game manager. I, you know, The knock goes against Wisconsin quarterbacks quite often. It's very similar for yep. Iowa quarterbacks. But Spencer Petrus is a dude who isn't just going to be, you know, capped at 20 passes, 25 passes a game. He can throw it 30, 35 times and really hurt you to the point that this, far in the season iowa's run to pass ratio is 55 run and 45 percent pass i think that would surprise a lot of people mm-hmm. because in years past it's probably been 60 65 70 run granted tyler goodson is still extraordinarily effective 430 yards on 99 carries 4.3 average five touchdowns so you have to account for him um, from a receiving threat it is the mo of Iowa that they don't have any you know barn burner type wide receivers yep. or anything? They just have guys who catch the ball consistently and are more possession receivers. But what do you think about this? It I don't want to say new Iowa, but it just
1: feels like a modern Iowa offense. Yeah, new old Iowa, whatever you whatever you want to yeah. call it. Right, they're still like their offense isn't. They're not going to explode for 400, 500 yards. Right, they're not built that way. We talked about it. They want to play tough defense. They want to get points off turnovers. Spencer Petrus is a good player, right? Going back to what he was able to do last year throughout those last six games and now throughout the first five games here in 2021, he's doing what they asked him to do. And I touched on it earlier. They're going to run it with Goodson, run it with Goodson, try to bring those linebackers in tight to the line of scrimmage, get your safeties going downhill, and then boom, what do they do? They take their shots or they throw to the outside on, on, on deep play action. And he's being smart with the ball. He understands their game plan. Mechanically, he's very good. He's got a good arm. He's a game manager. He's a solid player, and he's the perfect quarterback for this defense.
0: Based on some of Sean's struggles in the first half against Indiana, and again, he got it together, and he got the win and a nice day. Is this going to be another game where Iowa says, hey, Sean Clifford, you'll be the reason you win? Is that is that a recipe for disaster for Penn State?
1: No, it's not. I mean, because he's capable of doing it. He's good enough of winning games for Penn State, but he's gonna need he's gonna need some help in the run game this week, Tom. Right? Look at what happened to Talia. We we talked about Talia being the best quarterback in the Big Ten, right? And I think he was very impatient at times in the pass game. Early on, he had Big throw to Demas, big throw to Demas, get in the red zone. They booted out, touchdown to Chigakwanko. And I think that kind of forced him to think to himself, all right, I'm just going to be able to create big plays all day here versus their zone coverage. And that it didn't happen. Like they, they continued to play with depth. Um, they continued to fly around the ball, and they got turnovers because of it. He, Sean, has, he's got to be patient. right? You, you need to pick when you're going to take your chances. Right? Don't force the issue. Let the game come to you. And I know that's coach talk, and I know that's simple to say, but it's a real thing. right? Completion, completion, completion. Now I take my chance. Right, Run it for five yards, run it for eight yards, whatever it may be, first down. Now I take my chance again. Have to be very careful in what you're doing versus this team. It's
0: funny because I've seen a lot of fans say it's like, oh, okay, well... Are they going to be able to hang a lot of points on people? Why isn't the run game consistent every week? And I think Penn State fans need to understand this is not a high-octane, high-scoring offense. Mm -hmm. They're not going to hang 40 points on anybody. And the thing that I actually find encouraging as a fan is that it's never the same recipe for a win twice. They may have the same like hopes and ideas and goals for the game, but clearly, and we talked about it earlier with Penn State's running backs, it's just whichever guy is working. And you almost think about this Iowa defense. Is it going to be the John Lovett and Noah Cain show and not so much Kevon Lee because maybe running off tackle against Iowa is going to be better than trying to just abuse the A and B gap with Kevon Lee and getting
1: nowhere? Yeah, I mean, the both sides of the ball, the running game is going to be huge. And somebody we're not talking about, we haven't mentioned yet for Iowa is Tyler Goodson and what he's capable of doing, Tom. He's going to get his 20 carries, whereas Penn State running backs are not like, they use too many guys, right, to yeah, get 10 each. maybe. Exactly. So he's going to get his 20 carries. He's very tough to tackle in one-on-one situations. He can take it the distance as well anytime he touches the football. You know, this is funny. I look this up. 2019, he fumbled once. 2020, he fumbled once. He's already fumbled once this year. So don't count on getting any turnovers from Goodson Saturday, Saturday afternoon. You have to tackle this kid, yeah. right? You can't miss tackles or he's going to hurt you. And we talked a lot about what John Lovett can do in the pass game. This kid is fantastic in the pass game as well. He's very tough to coverage, uh, for cover and man coverage. When you put a linebacker or safety on him, it's a tough matchup. He's a very good route runner. Um, you know, In a lot of ways, the offense runs through him. They need the run game to be good for their pass game to be good and for Spencer Peters to be good.
0: Goodson's second on the team in receptions. He has a receiving touchdown, six total scores on the season. So Goodson, you're 100 percent right about that. Um, prediction:
1: Iowa, Penn State at Kinnick. <laughs> it's scary. Ah, oh, man. You know I don't like to make predictions, and I say it every week. I know, uh, but I'm going to make you do it anyway. Penn, St- Penn State should win this game. They should. I- I'm just, I'm trying to think, you know, of how this game would play out. It sounds so simple. And I feel like I say all the time, you can't turn the football over and you can't turn it over against Iowa. If you do, they're going to get points. That's how they're built. That's how they're made. If you could be patient, you don't even have to be great in the run game Saturday afternoon. If you could be decent and make it a threat, you've got a chance. Your offense is more explosive than Iowa's offense. Defensively, they're on the same in the same conversation. They really, really are. It's going to be about as good as it gets and, and look whoever wins this game tom right for penn state the indiana game that's a huge win but you win this one you're on track right if you either side of the ball here if you have a problem that we don't know about or you're weak somewhere offensively or defensively is going to get exposed saturday afternoon both teams are too good again for you to be in the Bama or georgia conversation and to solidify yourself as a legit contender you need this one fan expectations for both of these teams are college football playoff right now so This is as big as it gets, man. If
0: the Penn State offense does not turn the ball over, and I know that's cliche, and Sean Clifford does not have his attempts ballooned over 35, and maybe, like the Indiana game, you see more runs than pass attempts, Penn State should get the win. I personally feel confident they can beat Iowa. Mm -hmm. It's still a losable game. I'm glad you touched on the college football playoff because that's how I want to end this show the overwhelming sense I'm feeling from Penn State fans is that lingering thought in the back of their minds is, can we get into the playoff? And I think it's this dormant hope that's existed for Penn State fans for decades now, let's be very honest. Can this team win a national championship? And when you and I both started this podcast, the very first episode, I said, okay, 2018, It's been three years since James Franklin had his speech after losing to Ohio State. We've been a good football program. We can be a great football program. We're not an elite football program. Where is this team right now, and how hopeful should people be for the college football playoff this season?
1: Well, it's Bama and Georgia and everybody else right now, really. Um, So, you know, they're close, right? They win this game. They certainly get closer but for me, it's just it revolves around Ohio State. And I know Ohio State has their issues, but it's more it's more mental than anything right now. It's Can't, still Ohio State. It's still Ohio State, and can you get over that hump and can you beat them? Until you do that, you don't belong in the conversation.
0: There's a very good possibility that Penn State at least gets into the Big Ten title game. Right. And again, there are four I am I I There's still four very losable games for Penn yeah, State the remainder of this season. You're right.
1: I shouldn't say you don't belong in the conversation. That's not fair because if you win this game, you do belong in the conversation. Right. I mean, yeah. But you have to beat Ohio State. It's like Michigan every year Michigan be 11 and 0, and they lose Ohio State, lose Ohio State, mm-hmm. and the season's a failure. Yeah. Right. That's what it's become over the years with this Penn State, you know, Ohio State. Ohio State is the standard in the Big Ten. I saw
0: Michael Jr. of ESPN. He feels obviously, a lot of flack from his alma mater, Notre Dame. And people always point at the fighting Irish get into the college football playoff and they get destroyed. And a lot of people are saying, oh, they should be banned, they should be barred, et cetera. And it's like, frankly, most years, this is top heavy with the playoff. It's been Clemson and Alabama for a while. George has been involved, of course. And then pretty much the same five, six teams. Every single year in the playoffs, so there's not a ton of parity, unfortunately, but I like the way Mike Golick Jr. was addressing something on Twitter uh, because people were saying, oh, they shouldn't get these opportunities. I was like, so you think that Notre Dame should lower their standards to just a major bowl game I was like, no, you should aspire to want to compete for the national championship, even if the result isn't pretty. Yes, Penn State should absolutely be hoping to get to the college football playoff. A lot, a lot, a lot has to happen between now and then. There is a very good chance this team could make it to the Big Ten title game. I don't even want to jump ahead on that. And if they were in that game, based on who's in the West, there's a good chance Penn State could win a Big Ten title game. However, so much has to happen. I would love to see Penn State in the college football playoff. Even if the result was demoralizing, it's worth it because at least you're getting to where so many fans, Penn State fans, want to see this team be elite. And if you get to the college football playoff, you're elite.
1: Well, you certainly are. And, you know, it's they've played five games and we're already talking about it. Mm-hmm. Talking about fan expectations, man. Like that's that's what it is at. at not not just at Penn State. It's what it is everywhere. It's college football yeah. playoff or bust. And it has to be. Ne- that has to be the ne- mindset. Nebraska, even though they're so far away from that, that's
0: what their fans expect because that's what they got used to in the eighties and nineties. That's how these fan bases operate. It's the reason why well, Miami Hurricane fans are beside themselves is because, gosh, we used to be the U.
1: It's, well, it's like, ne- yep,
0: Penn State used to be. Amazing. And they're so close.
1: They're so close. Oh, it's, it's, the, you mentioned Nebraska. Like you can make this argument for uh, or a reason for, for an argument for every team in the Big Ten. It's like, okay, yeah. let's bring our national title winning quarterback back to coach our school at Nebraska, where he just won 25 games in two years at UCF. But wait, now he's not doing well. Why is it taking him so long to turn this program around? Why don't we have a Big Ten title? Why don't we have a national title yet here? This is supposed to happen. And it's just like there are unfair expectations at times. You know, again, the the college football playoff or bust, like that is a thing. But that's that doesn't it's not fair to everybody. Doesn't it shouldn't apply to a lot of teams. It shouldn't determine whether or not you had a good year. For yep. Penn State it does though, Tom. For Penn State it does this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Let's take a deep breath and just one game at a time. 1-0 and mentality, as James Franklin likes to say. So uh, we'll see what happens this Saturday. Penn State at Iowa. It's at 4 o'clock on Fox. I cannot wait to watch the game. A lot has got to happen. To all our listeners and viewers, like us, comment, subscribe, turn on notifications. We are so grateful to have you guys come along for the ride with us this season. We'll catch you next week after the Iowa game on the Pater Podcast. who get it done.